Hello, my friends. I'm Shay Marville. Welcome to the second season of Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to healing and growing through conversations, stories, and deep listening. We are an alchemy of one another. Talking helps us to relieve our burdens, to suffer less, because we are each other's medicine if we choose. So let's talk. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk. On today's episode, I have the awesome, awesome privilege of introducing you to provocateur, conductor, facilitator. Oh, she's so many things in the entertainment industry, actor, creator, Peter Gale Williams. Welcome hello. to Let's Talk. Hello, Bella. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, part of what inspired uh, this conversation was a post that you wrote on Instagram uh, where you you had a new photo that you were sharing, which is gorgeous mm-hmm. as you are. And but you were sharing your birth heritage and and the way that you received your unique name. And I just thought that would be such an interesting conversation to have with you about it's, that. It's actually a, a funny conversation because I didn't know that was my name until I was nine. <laughs> really? No, but leading up to nine, I hated my given name, the name that I knew was my name. Like, and so what was your given name? Susie. Sue. Susie. So oh. at school, they call me Sue, and at home, they call me Susie, because my grandmother wanted to call me Susan Antoinette. And my mom said, but well, we're not naming her after any queen that's been beheaded. And I said to her, you missed that class because you were 15. And it was Marie. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like the biggest joke in the family. So they always called me Susie. So my mom, even my mom called me Susie or princess. <laughs> but, yes. But then one day I had to go to the hospital um, to have a, an operation. And I actually wanted to end that story with I was born with 12 fingers. Because I was. You were born with 12 fingers. Yes. Oh, you're so very fact, interesting. So the and fact that they called me pretty little girl was a very, it was a, it was, you know what I mean? Because most yes. people are like, oh my God, like your baby yes. has 12 fingers. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember, I look at this story, it's like, you might want to throw in the 12 fingers part. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, you are so, ca- no wonder you wear so many hats. Yeah, you, were born, you were b- born with 12 fingers. With the extra digits, like, you know, it's just like, there's not enough time. <laughs> Wow. So you came here with purpose. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So I'm one of my uncles always laughs about it because he said, you know, he remembers that I had them for they didn't take them off right away. I had them for a while. Really? And and he said, and he actually said to me, you know, probably two years ago, whatever happened to those fingers? I was like, what kind of question is that? Whatever happened to those fingers? So when you were a child, you had them, they were removed. Yeah, they removed probably like when I was like, I was at a walking age. So I started walking. My mom told me like eight, nine months. I walked really young. Mm. So they removed them just because my uncle says he remembers me standing up when, and I still had them, but and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know? Wow. So when I was nine, I had to go to sick kids for an operation for my citizenship card. And I was in the back of the car with my parents and we're driving. And I'm like, well, that's a picture of me. But what's that name? Mm. And I said to my mom, I remember looking at them. And I said, what's this? What is, what is this? And she just looks at me and goes, oh, that's your name. 
and and what was the explanation? Like that's well, your name. Well, she told like she just told me the whole story then, and she was just like, "That's what I wanted to call you," but everybody calls you Sue, and she just told me, and I was I was so relieved. I was. I have to say, I was. You know, as as a nine year old, I was like, "Oh, I hated this." I just I didn't feel like a Sue. No. I, you know what I mean? I just didn't. And I remember looking in the mirror, going like, "No, I just I'm not. No, I'm not feeling this name." So like it was just a thing. So when they told me, I was like, and I, you know, kids remember when I came back to gate grade three, I was like, my name's not Sue. Don't call me that anymore. It's Peter Gale. Wow. <laughs> and it's it's a very unique name, Peter yeah. Gale. Yeah. Yeah. Is, what inspired what inspired her to um, give you that name? I think it's just my mom. She was very creative, very bright. Um, my brother's name is Don Ray, which means one light, mm. you know, like my other brother's name is Colden. Like, so she, she has this thing about n- names, you know? Yes. And even though she's a Marlene, she renamed herself Ola. Look, she was just like, you know, cause her mom named all her kids after MGM movie stars. <laughs> Fascinating. So my, Vernon. my mom is Marlene Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you really had a very dramatic start in life because your mom yeah. was, was a, she was a dramatic person. Yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. Yes. Very, very, very like, and a very strong headed woman. Like I, mm-hmm. I look back now and I, cause she passed away at 46 and I was 30 when she passed away. You know, I remember when I reached 46, just thinking, Oh God, I've done nothing. What? Like, even though my mom had done a lot. Yes. And like, I was just sort of like, you know, I was just sort of like figuring it out a bit, you know, and I was yes, like, I know I was exactly. Like, That's where the tragedy lies. You know, when somebody dies, passes that young, because mm-hmm. um, it's, they're just figured. I realized I was like, oh my goodness, she's probably just figuring it out. <laughs> you know, of course, uh, of course. Uh, Cause she had four kids to raise and, you know, but you know, she always made it fun. <laughs> she, she was 16 when she had you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you kind of, you grew up with someone who was my friend. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it was very, 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 very different. And my aunt, you know, just told me a, a story recently because we were talking about, you know, some family issues. And she said, oh, you know, because my, my mom was the, the eldest. My aunt said, you know, we never let you stay with anybody. She's like, if your mom didn't have you, I had you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were both very young, but there was just that, you know, they were just very all protective. Yes. You know, it wasn't that, you know, thing in, in, uh, in Jamaica where she didn't, she was not going to leave us. No, you know, a lot of parents left uh, their kids and came to Canada. Yep. And I was behind my mom, mom six months later. Wow. You know? And my grandmother, you know, they told me the story was like, no, just let her stay here. Like, you know, they, my mother was like, no, <laughs> like, and they were trying to convince her that it would be easier as a young woman in a new country, not to have your children. Yes. yes. And then you can send for them later. And she was not doing it. So you grew up really surrounded by love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like love and just all kinds of crazy happens. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that's what attracted you to the entertainment business is just coming from this really dynamic background? Well, um, my, actually, my mom was a songwriter. And uh, she used to, you know, at one point sell T-shirts on the back of her car. She had the first reggae concert at the Roy Thompson Hall, which we lost the house over. But it's another story. 
but it was Dennis Brown and Lloyd Parks and We the People. What? And it was an amazing experience for me at 15. Oh uh, and then I look back and I go, my mom dreamed big. Like she had, yes, and she had a record label. It was called Metro Sounds back in the eighties. The and she produced people and went to studios. Like, so she did a lot for 46 years. Mm-hmm. And when I look and I just sort of go, I've done nothing. <laughs> I really feel like I actually do. I really feel like, oh, Lord. <laughs> that's, that's so untrue, though. I mean, you've done so many things and like you're so well known in the industry, like as as a connector and and creator. And, you know, I call you the provocateur and conductor. <laughs> but, you know, as an agency owner in the industry, do you think there's more work now for sure. like 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 consistent work for people? for people of color, for Black people? This was our year. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, because yeah. and I had to laugh because I, you know, I'm booking the stand-ins. I'm booking, and I I had to laugh, and I was just like, oh my goodness, we used to be the Black round. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now it's like I couldn't find enough stand-ins to, wow. to fill all the positions. And of, of course, you know, the Asian women, there was a lot of Asian women as well and Asian men now and South Asian. So there's just more diversity happening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, what are the roles? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the, what are, you know, what are the, the parts of, that we're seen as? I find that when I audition with my wig on, I'll get a call back. When I audition with my natural hair, no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes, of course. And, and it's a little thing that a little experiment that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sort mm-hmm. of like, going like, you know, I might not even need the wig for that actual thing, but no. it's a, 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 the people at the other end of the table, how they're comfortable seeing yes. me or, or yes. and accepting like yes. and, and, and what they're willing to accept to even and, and go to the next level. They don't want to do the work when they see me without hair going, Oh, yeah. what are we going to like, you know what I mean? They just, Oh yeah. I need, yeah. Packaged. I need to be packaged. Yeah. I need to, you know, and, and, you know, I just, I don't give two F's anymore. <laughs> how, but how do you, like when you're looking at, like when you're looking at your clients and building yes, your sure. stable, what are you thinking now about what you're trying to build? Well, I only, I, for me, I, I do by referral. Cause I always ask people who sent you, you know? Yeah. That. And you know, and I have people send me, Oh, Peter, you could be such a bigger agency. And, you know, and I was just like, just, it doesn't interest me. Money's never interested, interested me. I like, I like my sanity. I love yeah. my time. I love to be able to breathe. I mm-hmm. love the time with my children. You know, I love my downtime. I don't have that drive for money and things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, mm-hmm. I, you know, if there was a long time, I thought there was something wrong with me for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So when I look at my agency, I work with who I want to work with. The moment, you know, if I, you know, I had somebody, I sent them out recently, they just didn't work out. And I just said to them, take care. <laughs> you know? That's it. Like, and they sent me back this. Oh, I hope this doesn't affect my bookings for future. And I was like, take care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. Because, I mean, well, because you know, there's only so much energy I have. Yeah, and that's right. I, there's only so much story I can take, or yes. anybody can. And it's just sort of like I've reached that point of saturation where I'm just like, there's somebody else who wants to do it more than you. Mm-hmm. That's right. There is always someone, right? There's always more someone, hungry. Yeah, that wants to do it more than you, and. I'm sorry, it's just not working. And that's why I said to people, it's just like, this is, and that's why I said, this is not working. Take care. <laughs> do you think, so, so for you, 
now that we have all these uh, these not so new and new mm-hmm. platforms like Netflix and yeah. Apple TV and Prime Am- like Prime Amazon like is there more work now because of these platforms? There is more work. There's definitely more work. I haven't seen, I know that, you know, there's been all these um, grants given out to Fabian Colas and all these different people for, mm. to make uh, by Netflix to do black production in Canada okay. overall. I don't know what they're, so these are things in the work. I haven't seen them happen yes. yet. The mo- mo- most of the stuff I have seen is from the American side of, you know, our, our usual, the boys, this, the typical shows all summer a lot of the productions have been predominantly black a lot of black extras have been needed you know and I I have to say you know you always you said to me how do I you know where do I see myself I get up a lot of days and I hate my job why no I've been here since I started my business 2011 Mm. and as a black woman this is what I hate about my job is that I'm actually the only one (laughs) actually I was gonna say And I don't even know if they notice, but I have to knock at the door every fucking day. Excuse my language. Yeah, I do. I have to. And I just think this is really odd to me that I've been here so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm about to get emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been here so long. And I've seen white agents come up after me. Mm-hmm. I've seen agents come up after me, who've gone away and stolen people's money and come back. Wow. And they still haven't used me. And I still have, do you know what I mean? I'm just like, I know what you mean. Yeah. Wow. I was just like, this, this is really incredible to me that, that, you know, and I, that, I, I, send I the email out. I'll still send, I sent one recently said, hi, I heard you're doing a black production. Da, da, da. Not even just, but and if you need extras, yada, yada, here I am. No reply. And uh, it was a friend of mine who said, well, you know, you should reach out. And I said, I've done this. I've done this. Yeah. I'm tired of knocking at the door because yes. they know I'm here. Mm-hmm. And they know the excuse they gave me why they didn't use me at first is because I knew and they didn't know me. Da, da, da. So I have to but- prove myself. But I've seen a white men and women come up after me who have stolen other people's roster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And these cast and directors use them gladly. So, and I, and it's like, I don't even know if they know they do it, but what they will, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's I like think, a, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a very generous comment. You don't even know if, you know, if they know that they're doing it. Like, I mean, it's unconscious a lot of the time. I, I, I don't even know if they know because I will get a lot of, you know, and I noticed that, you know, somebody will say, oh, I need so many black folks. And I'm just like, wow, I have more white people than I have black folks in my agency. And I find it funny. Like, you know, it's like when people need black folks, they're like, oh, I know who to call. It's like, mm. actually, no, I have, I have everybody here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, I have, so to see me as a black agency because I am black is part of the problem, mm. you know? So there, so therefore I'm a left out of a lot of stuff. It's, it's hard to talk about here, though, as well. Like I find, I think right. in Canada, it's hard. Race is a difficult thing to talk about. Even, to talk. They, don't want even, to, they don't want to pretend it's not happening. Yeah, like even after the George Floyd horror show. Yeah. I, and even though there's lots of reckoning and, you know, admissions, I still think as a conversation that is particularly Canadian and isn't just about black and white, but is a, a conversation about diversity and how we perceive people, I still think 
it's so challenging here to have the conversation. It is very challenging. It is very, very challenging because I think as Canadians, Canadians like to see themselves as all accepting Mm -hmm. and way better than Americans. And we don't have those problems. We actually do have those problems. And I'm not going to say that it's a different degree. Yes. You know, like we don't have the same chip. You know, on our yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's, it's a, different. It's a different, different history, different, different context, history, different yeah. context. It's more West Indian. You know, recently it was about two years ago because in film they use this when they're looking for black folks, they say African American, and I just always write back black. But, you know, they'll be like African. So finally, there was a forum, and I had to laugh because it was the white ladies on the forum who decided going forward. We are no longer going to use the term African American or Afro Canadian. It's going to be black. And I was like, <laughs> "What took you so long?" <laughs> I was just sort of like, "I was like, yeah, because we're in Canada, and a lot of it just doesn't apply because we have people from Africa, from the yeah. Caribbean, from <laughs> you know, also from La- Latin America. America. We is, have." Yeah. So we're just black folk. We are black folk. That's how you want to see it. We're black folk mm. at the end of the day. But it's, it's in, you know, p- particularly in, in film, I still see the gap when I go on set mm. in the crews, mm. the people. So when I, you know, my daughter was recently cast in this thing with uh, Jason Momoa, Slum- Slumberland thing. Yeah. So I'm on the set. And as I'm looking around at everybody on the set, of course, I'm unconsciously counting. Do you know what I mean? I'm looking at the opportunities that that are there. And I'm just sort of going like, there's got to, and it's not just for Black folk, it's for everybody. I'm talking Asian, I'm talking South Asian, I'm talking people of color behind the scenes. Yes, First Nations people. Everybody, yes, just behind the scenes. Or, you know, I worked with Clark Johnson years mm-hmm. ago and he directed this thing king he's one of the director love clark johnson love yeah, him he's amazing one of the things he stipulated i'm gonna work as a director on this but i need to bring in two young black kids to show them what i'm doing yes and he had a mentorship and i was just like good on you clark because i've never and that was like i'm gonna say in like 2010 or something You're right right like do you know what i mean and and he was somebody of where he is, just go, look, I'm going to do these things and I will direct these things, but I need you guys to allow me to have these young folks on set to mentor them. Yes, that is intentional. And do, do you think that that because we can't really talk about race in, in like some really profound ways in the entertainment industry in Canada, we because we can't talk about it, we can't really get to how we do make it more diverse? I, I think everybody's sort of trying to say we're not like that. We're not like that. That's mm-hmm. not a problem. Like even me bringing up the fact that, you know, these women don't call me. They, they would say, oh, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. And I was like, no, it's a comfort amongst they feel comfortable using somebody that looks like them. Yeah. Or, or their friends. And their friends. And, their friends. and mm-hmm. that and that is the people they're amongst. And because I know I've been at knocking at the, at the door and I've been in every situation where I can just laugh and go, oh, Lord, <laughs> you know, I, and that's why I say I don't even know if they're aware they're doing it. <laughs> and you're and you're somebody who's created a lot of I mean, you're very connected. 
And, 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 and I mean, it's not anything that's stopping you, but even with that, you're aware that you're not at every table. Oh, I absolutely am not at every table. I mean, I went to a meeting. I'll never forget it. They were starting, (laughs) they were starting a Toronto agency association. And I remember sitting in the room and there was one, two, three people of color. And one of the, you know, one of the agents eventually actually after, after that meeting, she closed her agency, black woman. She was just like, I'm out of here. But I remember sitting in that room and I walked into the meeting late. That's one of my mother, things that my mom always told me. She said, if you want to know how a room feels about you, walk into the meeting late. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, just a little bit, you know, like every, so I yeah. walked into this meeting and it was obvious they were obviously talking about me before I, I got there because I was the only person that was actually on the side of casting directors. So this was a group. Right agents that were getting together to just land-based casting directors. And I was, I wasn't having it. And I'm just that right. person. So I just stood there. And I, I said something at one point that I ended up, you know, they end up having a break and I walked out of the room and another agent comes up to me. She's a white woman. She's like, I just want you to know Peter Gale. None of those people, they're like you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm not here for them to like me. I mean, just here, like, you know, I was called, you know, I'm just going to give you my opinion on that. You guys are trying to bite the hand that feeds you. Like, cause that's what was basically what was happening. They were, you know, trying to do some agent uh, casting director revolt. And I was like, <laughs> you know, but the fact that she said this to me and I was just like, yes. and I was just like, I felt comfortable. Yes. To tell you, to tell me that nobody in the room likes me because I speak my mind. And but I it's not because I, you're black. It's because you speak your mind. <laughs> I mean, and I was just like, really? Because I have an opinion and I, and I'm just, and it's, it's, it's valid. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just sort of like going, this is not this vindictive, you know, yeah. it's just like, just get the job and do the job. And that's, mm. that's for me. That's how I run my, my business. Even like, and there was a period where I was going through anxiety. Yes. Uh, stress. Because there's, there's a, a weird thing to belong to a group but not belong to a group. Oh, it's terrible. It's a terrible feeling. It's you terrible. Because I mean? you, you're sort of ignored while you're actively working, you know, working, <laughs> and and you need and you sort of need the group oh, yes. in order to in order to continue building. Yes. Right. Yes. So it, it's a weird, painful place to be in. To yes. go, okay, I, I, this is the thing I got to do, but I'm not wanted on the voyage. <laughs> you know, no, like mm. nobody. But still, I'm going to get up every day and just go, well, I'm here. And, and keep and keep, you know, doing. Do, yeah. do, do you build or create outside of of Canada as well? Like, is, is, so is your are you looking for work for your stable? Uh, yeah. No, to- no, just well, because of COVID. Everybody's right. always been in-house and it's it's background work. So everything sort of stays stays central. Right. It's always, okay. you know, so there wouldn't be any 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 need for that. What have you learned during the pandemic that's that you didn't know prior to the pandemic about the work you're uh, doing? That it doesn't matter. <laughs> that the work that the work doesn't matter. Yeah. What does it matter? When I say when I say it doesn't matter, at the end of the day, I get a lot of work that before the pandemic was rush, rush, now, now we gotta get like everybody was just in this frenzy, and which would get me into a frenzy. And I would just be like, oh, I got to get this done now, now, now. And then maybe three hours later, I get an email that said, stand down. It's okay. We're not doing that anymore. 
And I'd work myself into this frenzy. Yeah. About so I've learned to just breathe. I'll open mm-hmm. an email, look at it. If I can think of whoever fits that spot right away, yeah. I send it off. Now I just sort of open it, I look at it, and I go, I'm gonna take time with that and go about the things that, you know, lighting my incense, burning my stain. Mm-hmm straighten up my place you know I'll have it in the back of my head but it's not going to be my be all end all mm-hmm. like I before you know I've been in my apartment now through the pandemic shredding papers and stuff and there was a point where I shredded papers and I was just like oh my goodness I booked all of this myself wow like, what is that insane woman like, <laughs> like I had to look and I go like I was like that is a lot of work for one person yes. and when I think about it I was working in my sleep Hmm. I literally was. I did my, you know, my cousin's a producer and she, she did the um, Harriet Tubman um, production. Yeah. Well, not the Harriet Tubman, sorry. CJ Walker, Adam CJ uh, Walker production here, which meant, you know, so I did the majority of the background. Yes. Yes. For that show. And thank goodness, thank goodness that, you know, and that's a thing where I count myself lucky because I, I was able to jump on a production and actually, you know, give somebody else work and mm. give my community at large, like the amount of black folks I employ. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when I have a good feeling about my job. Yes. When I, when I like, just especially working on that production, because it was, I met so many new people, brought so many more new people into the industry. Yeah. Who were just like, and it was more of like, and it was that same thing, how I, how I started. I just knock on doors, knock on doors. You go ask your cousin, you go ask your sister, you go ask your sister's friend, friend, like, you know, and there's, you know, you know, and, and that's how I've built my roster and that's how I'll continue to do it. You know, there's days and there's days where I'm willing to put that energy into it. And there's days where I'm just like, right now for me, I I just need to work with what I have Mm. and I'm going to say no to this job. And that's what the pandemic has taught me just to say, just to, my peace of mind that's what mm-hmm. it's taught me and you know I, I was when you were talking about um Michaela Webb Cole there and I keep playing her words in my head of it's okay to disappear mm. and and for me that just it meant it meant so much because I I love my alone time I love because being a I would get I get I get emails at text at 3 a.m like <laughs> do you know what I mean and I'm oh just yeah like, around the clock and I'm like, why do I care if you are going to wear red nail polish or not? Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I really like, really, and I look and I was like, oh my gosh. So my phone is usually turned off. Like, just because of that, it's like, there is no ringing coming from my phone unless it's my children and my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it it's blowing like, up all the time. Right? All the time with, with everybody wants to feel important. So do I. Everybody yes. wants to so and. A lot of time, I don't think people realize that, oh my God, it's, it's 2 a.m. Maybe I shouldn't text her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think is next for you? And again, actually in relationship to, to being an artist who's been in the pandemic, who's you know managing this agency, directing this agency, but then also being an artist yourself. Oh, I'm definitely going to be working on my music because that's wow. what is, that is what the pandemic led me to because I wasn't happy going into the pandemic. I and I didn't realize I was suffering from anxiety or anything like that until the pandemic began. And I was like, 
so happy just to lay down. <laughs> just like, yes, yes. And it was when we were slowly coming back into the work and I got the first couple of emails and all of a sudden this feeling overcame me. And I was mm. like, what's wrong? What's, what's wrong with me? What's like, you know, and then yes. I realized, I was like, because I was, didn't realize I was going to my naturopath, going to an osteopath, going like, I'm throwing up in the mornings when I wake up. These, you know, I don't know what's wrong. I just feel like my, and your nervous system, my nervous system was absolutely shocked because of yes, absolutely. And when the pandemic happened, I was just like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, I just just get to stop for a minute because I feel like I've been working since I was 13. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've been, it's been, you know, overdrive, overdrive. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what I come from. Like we were always doing something good. Like, so this was the first time in my entire whole entire life that I was just like, I get to sit down and just do nothing. Like, and it's not recess. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, and, and everyone, and you have to, and you have to, and everybody has to do it. Yeah. Everybody has to be in the state and being in that state made me realize what's important, what's not important. And I always, you know, I realized like, I, I, I was feeling like a, a failure a bit because mm-hmm. I'd have people like, oh, Peter Kelly agency could be so much more. You could be taken over. So, so, so. And I was just like, I have no interest in that. I don't. Wow. I don't have any. Isn't, isn't it interesting how people also evaluate <laughs> why you should be happy like and that you should have more, more rather yeah. than, like that you're not satisfied with what what you have and they'll come to you with it like well look at your life you can have a bigger house you can have a, a yeah. this or a that and, blah, blah. and undeniably it goes into my head and you're and, and we'll go like well, yeah maybe uh, and so i've actually been writing this thing called maybe i'm lazy <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, and you're I'm, really you're really going for it there. And I'm challenging myself to 15 minutes of stand-up, and it's called Maybe I'm Lazy. Because and it's really just about that whole my whole experience of looking at my life, going like, I don't really care for that. Maybe isn't, it's because <laughs> isn't that, no, no, but this is okay. This is so interesting to me because one, you know that old stereotype about mm. black people being lazy. Yes, exactly. And, and, and then everything. And well, right. And then and then the culture, the Western culture is, you know, don't stop, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. And and I it's it feels like, you know, like sometimes you can't even go on vacation because you're supposed to be doing something when you're on vacation yeah. and then showing everyone your pictures. I think that's fascinating yeah. to do a stand-up about that. And and it's it's just, to me, it's just about all those notions of what people think you should have and what I think I should have. And like me just looking like, okay, well, maybe I'm lazy, but because I'm not feeling this kind of motivation. (laughs) I don't want, I don't want that. I want this. Exactly. And I was just like, I like sitting down with my dog and petting my dog and, and, you know, just going, especially during the pandemic, because I live right at uh, Bathurst and Bloor area. Yeah. And I would see people. And it would crack me up, especially the lockdown. I'm talking about lockdown, lockdown period. Yeah, Nobody yeah. was supposed to be out. And I would sit here and I would look out my window and I'd be like, where are all these people going? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, well, like, what's wrong with me that I'm not running out there? I yeah. would go at nighttime though when nobody was around when I would just yes. you know, be out on the street. Because I was just like, there's too many people out there. And I was just like, 
you know, got into this lazy mentality mm-hmm. of just like, I'm just going to, you know, you know, I'm sure we, you had it. We all had the one yes. pandemic outfit. <laughs> you know? I know. And that pandemic outfit Yeah, that's ruined. <laughs> that's ruined so much I, that outfit. I, I literally just went to the bay the other day and got rid of the pandemic panties. Okay. Oh just my God. I ordered some stuff online. I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's terrible. Some, sometimes I go out and I wonder, I look at myself, I try to dress up when I'm doing my podcast though, yeah. too, like, and then, you know, I'm always like, I sometimes even wear shoes in the house. So don't, well, I put don't on ask. perfume. I'm not too sure yeah. what. Go yeah. Ahead. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to smell good, but I, I went out to the grocery store the other day and I looked at what I was wearing and I said to myself, I said it out loud. I said, dear self, we are aware that this outfit that you are wearing now would not have been possible without the pandemic. This would never have come into your mind before to match gray and orange, to wear some hat. Absolutely. And like, absolutely abs- absurd. Um, and then I looked at myself and I said, I'm going into the grocery store, but I am aware that I, I really have not, like I've, I've lost something here and I'm going to. I, I, and that's where the maybe I'm lazy comes in. Cause it's the lazy, it's that whole thinking of like, you know, I really don't care anymore. I don't like, it's just like, I, I don't really, know, but I love, I don't know if it's laziness though. Well, I think not, that, it's, but it's, some, I, it's laziness. I mean, it as a joke. Oh, I, mean, I know. And that's, what's funny. It's funny, <laughs> especially coming from us. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and I think for so many of us, especially Caribbean five, Jamaican people, five jobs. Right, like, right, exactly. Yeah. Caribbean people, like always working, always afraid. Like, why are you lying down? You know, mo- I I know most Caribbean kids, at least when my generation and before, you could not sleep in. This idea of sleeping in is like very strange. Oh, the whole so. you know, I still do the Saturday morning get up, turn on the music, and clean thing. Yes, because. You know, that's what we did. That's like, what Saturday mother, was. My mother would be like, okay, turn on WBLK. Yes. You know, you know and as we knew the day was getting on when she turned on the reel to reel and bring on the microphone going, okay, we're almost done. Let's make some tunes. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're just like, I don't know how many kids had a reel to reel in their house, but we, that's I'll never forget. I knew how to use that thing, record, record a little dub plate stuff. And, you wow. know, that that's the... I thank I thank God for that part of my life, and I'm not gonna say you know I you know look at people it's like I didn't have an easy life, mm-hmm. you know I started high school from a shelter, hmm. that's where I started high school from. I started high school from the Red Door Shelter in my mother's clothing, okay, mm-hmm. and that and you know I went ready to make the best of it. High school sucked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's not, and it wasn't. It was the teachers. Yes, it was, yes. With so many, I, you know, I didn't know I was, I was smart until the 11th grade when a teacher looked at me and said, did you write this paper? And I was like, wow. yeah, I wrote it last night. And he goes, well, I looked at your, your, uh, your grades. And he, and he said, you have great grades, but you don't have enough hours to graduate. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh? And he's like, you don't come to school every day. And I did it because I was going through so much up and, and down. And you were living in a that. shelter. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, I didn't realize I had to, I had hours. I just thought I had to have good grades. And he said to me, I think you should drop out of high school and go to university as a mature student. He said, because if you wrote this paper, this is written at a university level. And I remember sitting down and writing that paper with my mom and she was studying sociology. And I was writing a paper for my class on uh, Susan Vega's song, My Name is Luca. 
and mm. it was and and I remember just talking to her and about what I was writing and you know learning the word malu and just stuff like you yes, know yes yes just stuff like that and when I handed in the paper and the guy you know he looked at me and said you and I was like yeah I just had conversations with my mom about it and that was you know that I didn't drop out of high school then but it was in my mind when yes. I was just like, huh? I was like, did this man just tell me they were going too slow for me? I was like, that's what's wrong with my high school experience. And wow, yeah, I, you know, looking back, I, I wish, I, I wish I had the, uh, you know, you know, I don't know, you, you, you've gone through things with your kids about how to go to university and stuff yeah. like that. I never had that because my yeah. life was in so much turmoil. It's like nobody ever asked me what university you're going to go. Like it just never happened. No, I know. I, I, I totally understand. And it's not just that. It's like also when you come from some immigrant parents, yeah. they don't know how to navigate that, the system here. And, and sometimes they're directing you towards work or, or school that isn't right for you yeah. or like what your skills and capability are. So you can't, and then when you're at school, they don't quite understand you. It's, it's, a, it's challenging. It's, a, it's very, but, and, and, you know, to that respect, my mom, she understood the school world. Yes. And, and I think she knew in her head, <laughs> we're just like, ah, you know, there's mature student stuff. So like, you know, I don't think she really, she, she was already helping people in the community a lot of people um, where we grew up, because we grew up on Ontario housing. And I lived at Don Mills and Finch and they used to streamline kids. Mm-hmm. And my yeah. mom, I went to school downtown because my mom was like, no, we're not going to school anywhere up there. So we went to school in the annex. And my mom was able to help a lot of kids who were going to go into that basic general program to go yeah. into different. And that was one of the things that she always did in, in the community. Like she just, you know, she ran the, the, she brought the dance programs for Metro Toronto Housing Authority. At one point, Mel Lastman came around, got her to run as an alderman in her 30s. Like, wow. you know, so she did all these. Like, when I look back, I was like, oh, wow, my mom's done these wonderful things that make me proud that I didn't even realize in that moment. But we still had a life where I was just sort of, you know, I was in a shelter. Like, you know, because, yes, yeah. it, because as a Black woman trying to do all those things, you take risk and it doesn't work out every day. Oh, my, <laughs> you know, that's so, it's and, so and no bank is going to come to your rescue, especially back then. And yeah. you can't get credit. You know, I remember going down to Bell Canada at Bay and wherever with my mom and her paying the bill in re- real time so they can turn back on the phone. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yes, like, yes. Those kind of things where it's just like, but she did what she had to do to get, you yeah. know, like, and it was just sort of looking back and I was like, oh my God, that must have been hard for a Black woman with four mm-hmm. kids to navigate mm-hmm. that system that was definitely always stacked up against you. Yeah. And doesn't even, didn't even see you. Oh, didn't. Like, like Did not. It, your experience is, is sort of it, it's, invisible. It, it didn't. I, and so when I, I look at all the things that she did and went through and I look and I like, you know, that's why that's where the maybe I'm lazy also comes from as well, because, you know, and, and in, in a joking sense, I was like, oh, my gosh, she had more to overcome than me. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to do it. Like, no. like, well, and I think also when you've been doing for so long, it becomes I think like fire. I was going to ask you about this also, you know, like getting to uh, 50 and and kind of coming to terms with who you are. Like, I know, certainly I feel like I'm really coming in 
to who I truly am now. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel that way? I absolutely, I absolutely do. And I feel like I'm trying to find purpose. You know, people say to me, oh, you're a great singer. You, you know, you have this God-given talent. It's your gift. And, uh, I, I think of my purpose of, as how I can help and heal others hmm. through the things that I do. And, not, and that's not a monetary thing. It, it, it's a spiritual thing. Yes. You know, because I think totally. that we're all here to help each other in some way, shape or form. Like, and so when I when I say I'm trying to find purpose, I'd like, you know, I was thinking of going back to school. And I said to my sister, I started, you know, I did my course at U of T and I signed back up and um, my kid's life went sideways. So I had to deal with that. And yeah, and I had to stop taking my class. And, you know, somebody said to me, my sister, so what would you go back to school for? And I said. Well, the only thing that really interests me is is First Nations rights. Hmm. And like when I say somebody like something that besides music, that I say like, yes. oh, I'm going to study something, study something. It would be everything around that. <laughs> Do you know oh, I, mean? I, I get it. And and I said that was the that's the only thing I could say I I have a fight for, hmm. where I, I have that that you know fire. Yeah, I have that fire for. Because I just, I, and that was so funny because I listened to your Jan Arden show yeah. and, I was, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is too funny. <laughs> I was like, listen to what they're talking about. And I was just like, I absolutely get this. And I just think as a, and it's my privilege to be in Canada yeah, on native land. And I just feel that I, everyone should know mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. And and the absolute privilege that we are here, yeah. and 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 honor that, and know everything about that. You know, it's just like they don't like. I I went to, I skipped off school in grade seven and eight and went to the Yorkville Library. <laughs> my, my mother used to come pick me up. She's like, "Where are you at?" I'm like, "At the library." Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I just like. I was like, okay, this is not working out for me. My teacher, like, you know, I'm a grade eight teacher, embarrassing. I, I have people still remember, remembering my grade eight teacher embarrassing me in front of the class. And I wrote a project on the wind in the willows. And I read the front of the book and the back of the book. And I never forget. And I did the, the report. And uh, Mrs. Robertson read it out to the class. She's a little older white British woman, really like, she's probably in her eighties and she was very proper. And at this point, I sat at the front yes, of the yes. class. Very important, the, the story. I sat at the front of the class. And she says, oh, she marked it as the highest mark in the class. Yeah. Then looks to the whole class and says, to, in front of the whole class says, well, who helped you write this? Because there's <gasps> no girl like you could have written this by yourself. Oh. And that's what the whole class did. And I just, and I was like, wow, 13 or 14. And I just remember going, and it, I, I was just sort of like, and I just crying, like, just like, you know, just absolutely shattered. Like, you know, it's to be praised and slapped at the same time. Somebody praising you and slapping you in front of your, your peers. And I actually had somebody recently remi- remind me, said, oh, do you remember when I was like, oh my gosh, you were there. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, I, I was there for that moment in our, and I said, that's always, and I, I, you know, I look and I I, as a growing up and going through school, I never thought of coming to my mom with these problems because mm. you, know, you don't want to bother your parents. Yes, you don't yes. want to 
because you don't want because you think that you're going to get in trouble you don't well, even know you internalize know. it sometimes. but you just yeah you just, you just think they have enough going on yeah that they don't need to hear what the teacher said to you at school today that made you cry or, or you know mm. and that and so you're just going to deal with it yourself and my thing was like okay so I just end up going to the library I thank her because she introduced me to poetry of Robert Frost yes. but I want to you know but in that moment I was just sort of like no, like I teachers for me, just, I kind of lost my, you know. Yeah, you're you're um, sort of that that joy and curiosity that helped drive you to write that paper. Yeah, you you in that moment. Yeah, she yeah. she demeaned you. Absolutely, and and, and, it, and that's that almost becomes like a it it's it's shocking, you know, as you get older to think of these things, but when you're young and you don't know that moment can be a transformative moment Absolutely. because it was done in front of others. It was, uh, yeah. you know, as she never took it back. Never took it back. You know, and I never told anyone. And I just remember mm. just being ashamed mm. and just so many things because later on in that day, something, I, something else happened in that day. And I was then moved to the back of the class. And that's what my friend remembers about that day. She goes, yeah. And then she moved you to the back of the class and I had to sit beside this certain guy. And she goes, and I was like, and I literally was sitting beside the bad kids after that. Uh, and so uh, I went from a girl who was sitting up in the front of the class, eager to learn, hand up to now being put in the back of the class. And I had so many educational experiences like that where it became this thing where I didn't care if, you know, I didn't go back. Yeah. I didn't go to UT as a mature student until 2006 and I was 30 something by then. Like, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. You know, and I had tried, you know, I, I had gone to the TYP program, ended up dropping out there and I had gone to the program and, you know, something my mom had set up for me because when I was, you're going to get into something else here. Okay. When I was 19, I had twins that passed away. Oh no, I'm so sorry. So I was, I had a premature labor and they came at seven months. They were too, too young. One lived for two weeks, one died the same oh. And my mom saw me through that, that period. And my mom being my mom was, you know, she was very, she was stellar, absolutely stellar. It was like a hard period in her life. And I will never forget, um, just her being there, just her, like, I, 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 they thought, I, they thought I was going to die because I was losing so much blood. Yes. You know, they, um, at one point, I'll never forget her being in the room and just screaming, you know, Susie, 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 because I was losing. Yes. She's like, oh, you know, just hold on. You're going to be okay. And they had ordered up blood for me because I was losing blood, but they never gave me the blood. <gasps> They never gave me. And about three years later, I got a letter from blood services saying, can you and your kids please come? Because we think we've given you tainted HIV blood. Oh, my. But and you I, never got the blood. I never got the blood. Oh, I, I never got the blood. Um, because everything like I just like I just bounced back. But I, they were like, I think I remember I remember them saying, I think we're going to need blood for her because I was. Yes. You know, yeah. You were losing and, so much I, blood. Yeah. But I never got the blood. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, I remember that letter coming in the mail and my mother getting mad, you know, when I, because what was happening, we lived in market and they would send me, because after you have a baby, they send you all that stuff from those companies. Yes. Yes. And they kept sending it, even though you 
didn't you didn't have any babies yeah. anymore yeah anymore yeah and I would come and it would come and so there's a point where she was just like and I think that was the last time I got to go to the mailbox <laughs> because I would go to yes. the, walk down to the mailbox and mark them at that time and I would and it would just upset me and I would just be like oh I come back you know with a little samples of you know they send you all these things and the last time I went to the mailbox was when the letter came and I opened it and I was like oh, you know like Oh my, I'm, I, so, I'm so sorry. But look at what you, I can't even, I cannot even believe like what you have built and created and where you started. I, it's, I mean, I hope you know how profoundly uh, <laughs> extraordinary it is to, to and, 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 and now you 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 know you as you build this one woman show, which I already I already see uh, <laughs> about being lazy. I you know it, the really it's about actually resting. Yeah, it's actually about resting. It is it after is many about, decades of uh, yeah hustling. Exactly. Basically, that's what it is. It's just like you know what I'm tired. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes. I'm. I'm tired i yes. have done a lot i'm tired you know i went up to the cemetery the other day to visit my kids and i hadn't been in a while through covid i haven't even been because they passed away in november yeah which is a weird time of year so it's, it's yes. always slow on the gray and i happened to be dropping my daughter off at a birthday party out that way at uh, pine hills and i was just like well i might as well keep on going i'm out here and i go up to the cemetery I buy this, you know, flowers and candies like I always do and, you know, find the grave. But as I'm, I'm just like, I really have to pee. And it was the funniest thing. I go up to the door of the place and it's being, you know, reconstructed. And I'm standing there and I call the number and the woman says to me, oh, the bathroom's around the corner. Yada, yada. And I'm like, okay. And I'm, you know, walking around. All of a sudden I hear somebody behind me. Hey, hey. And I'm like, yeah, she's like, are you the lady that just called me? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I gave you the wrong directions. Come here, sweetie. She was just like, and it was, and I just was just such a beautiful experience being there with this, you know, she just came and got me and she was just led me and they'd re- redone the whole place and it looked beautiful inside. And I actually said to her on the way out, I was like, I love the renovations. I might just move in. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, it looks great, doesn't it? I'm like, it looks absolutely great in here. Because I've been coming to this cemetery since 1989. Do you know what I mean? So I know oh, what it's oh. looked like over the years, right? And then I just went and I sat by the grave. And as I was sitting there, I noticed for the first time that this is the children's grave site. Like oh. all the other graves. And I started to walk around as if they were all children. And oh. I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize that this, yes. this whole area was, you know, children. Uh, just children. My the graves that I have, it, there was a marker. Yeah, so you know the number is two nine six seven, and then it has a gravestone because I didn't buy that gravestone, and I remember until I had like a job, like when I come back from Italy. Yes, and like that. My I, that was <laughs> oh my gosh, that is what I, I spent my money on when I I was just like I I have to because we couldn't afford it at the time. Yeah, and it was just always had a mark with a number, and I just remember going, okay, I have money, and I can buy this now. That was in the early 90s. And that was a big accomplishment to me. So when people say, oh, you have this business and you have these things, my accomplishments are uh, my children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when yes. I say, you know, those are those are the things that that uh, that that mean the most. 
And I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, that's my goal. So maybe I'm lazy. It's like, I wish I had that drive for things. And, you know, and it's just like. You, you've had that drive for <laughs> everything that's meaningful and yeah. purposeful your yeah. entire life. Yeah. And that's where the joke comes in. We're like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe it's me. Everybody's going after this other thing. You know, I have people coming to me going, oh my God, your voice is so beautiful. Why aren't you famous? And I say to them, well, if I wanted to be famous, I'd take off my clothes and run down Young Street. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you, I think you are pretty famous, but I think, I think, but you know what? I think maybe, maybe what the next chapter is, uh, is telling and sharing uh, these stories of resilience and humor and, and your voice. I, yeah. I know that, I mean, I just feel like I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I, um, I feel like you're going to have to come back on because this is like, so now this is going to just be part one of our conversation because we have to do part two because I have I so many questions. Okay. Now yes. I'm, I am, I, you know, I am blown away by you and i am so oh grateful my goodness. i'm so grateful for you to have me on because i was just like uh, what does you want to talk to me about oh no see i <laughs> this this confirms to me why i needed to talk to you i knew nothing about you other than we were like ships in the night always missing each other for for 30 years and and then i read your instagram post and i said i gotta talk to her and now i know exactly why so this is part one okay I want to thank you so much. I want to th- thank you. Oh my god! Thank gosh. you for just asking me to do this because I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm like one of those life in the moment people. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm so yeah. glad you chose it. Chose yes. <laughs> this is you've given me. Yeah, you've you've really given me something today. It's this is a gift to be able uh, to talk to you. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I thank I am honored and. Uh, yeah, we yeah we do have a lot more to talk about now that you got me started. P- Peter Gale Williams, thank <laughs> you, and beautiful. I will see you in part two. <laughs> I'm Shay Marville, and you've been listening to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to healing and growing. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And listen, I need your help to grow the reach of this show. Could you? Would you? Please subscribe rate and review us on any platform that you're listening to. I'd love to hear your feedback. Ciao for now.